0: As a performance artist in Austin, Texas, I've had my fair share of struggles getting my own art projects off the ground. Between looking for funding, space, and collaborators, sometimes chasing my artistic dreams can feel like waiting for the stars to align. But what if we shouldn't wait? Christina Tran, my sister, certainly doesn't. Christina is a former Texan who now creates art in Corvallis, Oregon. In that small college town, she creates webcomics that are both intensely personal and notably universal. That duality extends to her house, a space that can be easily cleared for an impromptu house show for local artists. In this episode, Christina shares her approach to bravely making art, an approach that percolates into how she lives her life and might inspire you to do the same. Welcome to Lewd Asian Artists, interviews with Asian artists from the American South. We are your hosts, Norman and Heidi. Join us for conversations about creating art and reappropriating our lewdness. Lewd Asian Artists is produced by Lucky Chaos, an Asian American art company in Austin, Texas. This project is supported in part by the Cultural Arts Division of the City of Austin Economic Development Department. If you want to hear more about Asian Artists, please subscribe, rate, and review us in your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks and enjoy the episode. all right episode what episode is this Heidi seven seven episode seven man it's been (laughs) quite a journey uh so our guest today uh I'm super excited to have this conversation uh full disclosure she is my sister (laughs) but she is an amazing artist and I've really admired the work that you've done in comics and zines as well as uh interactive pieces um yeah, Heidi. I feel like you've also uh, consumed some of her stuff and has have been impressed by it.
1: Yeah, I've read of a lot of your scenes, and I've heard about the community you're building in Corvallis. I want to know more about that because mm-hmm. I haven't visited, and that seems like a whole new and interesting concept to me. And curious about how how that's working out and how that applies mm-hmm. to. Say if we wanted to start one here in Texas. Yeah, for yeah. Sure.
0: So without further ado, uh, our our guest today is storyteller and designer and the author of many inspiring comics and zines, uh, Christina Tran. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello, I'm waving, even though. Well, I'm waving at y'all. <laughs> That's what. <it> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get started, actually, um, you can find her work. She's working at on a graphic novella online at christinatran.com and you can also find a newsletter of her work at tinyletter.com slash so delightful. So returning to Heidi's question. um,
1: Yeah, I wanted to know more about communal artist living.
2: Yeah, well, what do you want to know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But maybe we'll start at the beginning. How did you decide to do this versus living like the regular life where you grind at work and then you go home to your apartment
2: well i guess i guess to to start at the beginning um what y'all are referring to is this sort of renegade community art space um that we run out of our house and we call it mount kaz and um it sort of started because my partner and i we were both in um we met in the bay area and we moved back to his hometown, um, which is a college town in in central Oregon. And it was a shift. We were like moving to sort of find a different way to like live, you know yeah. and to make like to make art and to find room and space for that outside of the grind, which was it was getting harder and harder in um, the Bay Area to do that. And so when we got here, and we found a place and it has like two living rooms, which like coming from the Bay Area, like I didn't have a living room for like the last like four years. So it has like two living spaces and a guest bedroom. So it's like, it's just so much space. And so like our our first impulse was definitely like, we have to share that, you know? Yeah, and we had different, we were scheming and dreaming, but we, we ended up, we've been doing artist residencies out of the guest bedroom and um, opening up the living spaces to as an event ven- venue and a gathering space. So it's been really fun. I do wanna make a zine of like, and we named all the rooms, different things. So um, the Grove is sort of the main space and that's where we have a lot of events. And I do wanna do a little zine that has like different pictures of like all the permutations that one room can have because it's really fun every time during an event to like take out all the furniture and just like rearrange the space for what it needs so it's been it's been like a butoh dance stage with like 30 people in the audience it's Mm -hmm. been like a zine reading um with the zine tree it's been um it's been you know like we have this long dining table that we've opened out and had like a, a midnight snack society kind of larp uh, we had a pop up restaurant. Um, some friends in town wanted to do um, like a vegan Cajun pop up. Um, nice. So yeah, and then out Al- and Norman performed. <laughs> <in the laughs> yeah. I did a little um,
0: mini residency there that time I was visiting.
2: Yeah, um, and you overlap mm-hmm. with our other resident, um, Serin from New York, and so she oh, was man. doing a reading of her like cartoons and New Yorker type things and norman did some micro plays and then we had like a um a noise puppet show <laughs> it was just like just all a whole thing
0: being in that space um one of the things that impressed me so much and what a allo- probably allows you to do all these kinds of things is the modularity of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: your your furniture you can it's very easy to move chairs around and like like you were talking about your your uh, dining room table is uh foldable mm-hmm. do do you feel like that's something you you purposefully go for when you're looking for furniture
2: i think it's actually less about the furniture and more about the mindset right there's this idea of like fixed mindset or not fixed mindset um functional fixedness is this psychological term where it's like if you um think about like a hammer, and you're like, the only thing that hammers can do is like nail. Um, And so like, you're always looking for like, what can this hammer do? Where can I like nail nails? Um, But, you know, you could also use a hammer to like as a paperweight, you could also use it as like, uh, workout equipment, you could also anyway, so like, I think because um, and I think it comes from like, the zinster mindset of like making do with what you have it comes from my partner albert he's a he um practiced parkour for a really long time and so he's used to looking at a space and like thinking beyond what it's these stairs aren't just for walking or like getting to another level right like they're also you can also move through it in a different way so i think like um, that's why we name the rooms different things. So it's not just a dining room, it is the grove. So the grove can transform into anything. And I think it's the practice of like every time you see it transform, you're like, oh, there's like new possibilities that come from you know, seeing it different. I mean, I feel the energy of the house and Mount Kaz has been really like sad. <laughs> Like it misses, know. it misses people, it misses like that constant transformation, like gave it energy, gave us energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is sort of like, um, it's like lower energy right now in the space, because there's not people dropping in, there's not this movement, there's not this flow of it.
0: Hmm. I mean, even even though there's less people coming through the space, I, I do notice you guys are doing, or at least attempting to do Uh, more community activities and things like that in the pandemic has I guess it hasn't Mm -hmm. been quite the same
2: yeah it's not quite the same let me think what aspect to talk about I think like we I think we're we've always been very committed to like um connection and community um are sort of the 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 core of it there's one way during pandemic to pivot to like oh we'll just do everything we were doing in person and like change it online and i don't think we were ever going to do that Um, we did like experiment a little bit with some online things um like playing around with gather town um this little website where you can like walk around and talk to each other instead of being in like zoom boxes and regulated zoom boxes um and and we have done some experiments. Like we were like, you know, I think we had a lot of community conversations in the beginning, or just with people in community, and just really pushing for like, okay, we can have picnics outside if we're spatially distanced and wearing masks and we'll do like a um a drive up, you know, potluck where <laughs> yeah. people to bring food, but you can still take it out away and so we're still cooking for each other. But I think it's part of I think that's something I've been thinking a lot about is sort of like their we, I was able to do that for a while. I'll just talk from my eye because I think it's different for different people in the community. But like for me, like I was able to do that for a little while. Um, but I found my, like I haven't been as regenerated because I think part of it is when you do pull off the event, you get some energy when you see people and meet. You know, when you meet a friend of a friend or someone who like you weren't expecting to come in the door. Um, you get energy from those connections, you get rejuvenated from the like ideas that flow through. And so like that has been less and it takes a little more activation energy to like be creative (laughs) about the thing. And so I definitely just went, like I think because winter hit, um, it was a very wintry winter. (laughs) We we have a lot of rain in Oregon. And so that sort of put a damper on outside activities. And it just felt like a time to sort of, yeah, really like sink into that reflective hibernation winter space, which is you know I think good and bad, <laughs> or like has multiple dimensions to like what comes out of that.
0: Mm. What What is it like to have a communal space where people are, are creating in it, and what is it like, and having people in your house to to do these artist residencies? Like, I'm not, I don't, I don't think very many of our audience is super familiar with just like welcoming people into their houses for weeks at a time. (laughs)
2: Um, yeah, I guess I forget that. I guess I've always been very like potluck oriented and very like, um, um, yeah, inviting people in, in the Bay area when I first got there and I was like, oh, there's like one reason it's so hard to meet people is because people don't have like home space they can share you're always going out to restaurants to meet with your friends because you don't have communal space that you can share like you can't invite people to your house um as easily because you have like four roommates and like no living space um and so my friends and I started doing these like we called them pop-up potlucks so we would like switch locations and like um switch hosting duties um to sort of because we missed potlucks um but anyway but your question is like how so like because I think I'm like having trouble with the question because it doesn't make sense for me not to do that (laughs) um (laughs) I think well actually Albert and I've been talking about this a bit where it's like you know I think and I think a lot of um a lot of the artists I admire and a lot of the people I don't know the term um <laughs> the we you know i think it's like um sorry i went into my essay brain and i got sidetracked uh, <laughs> but um yeah i think it is it's it's in our nature to be communal and to be um connected and to be with each other right and i think the thing that we forget is that what makes that hard is the infrastructure of our cities like what makes it hard is like the marketing machine of capitalism like telling us you know we need to do you know things in isolation or that your needs can be taken care of by a company and a business instead of your neighbor right um so It's not like what makes it hard isn't that we're introverts. What makes it hard is that like we're not supported in getting our needs met and still being connected, you know. But you were asking, like, what is it like to have people over? It's like it's so great. I actually really miss it. Like so like we started doing artist residencies. Actually, we had this idea um, for it when we moved up here, but we thought it wouldn't happen for a few years until we like had built out. A different kind of space. Um, but our friend Min, who is a butoh dancer, she ended up um, being our sort of accidental first resident artist because we were in the Bay Area and she had just lost her housing. So we just like scooped her up and brought her back and she stayed with us for a few weeks. Um, but in that time, we were able to like connect her with people in town and like, you know, support her in whatever space she needed to just like breathe a little bit and and do her thing and um, yeah she ended up that was the first event where we cleared out the grove (laughs) and we like turned it into a stage and she like did a performance and she ended up teaching a workshop in town too and I feel like the best residencies have been the people who come with really like a lot of openness to contributing like they want to like give something offer something to our community and what we can offer is space and curiosity and like people who show up and engage. It's I was listening to this podcast between Princess Hemphill and Mia Birdsong yesterday. Um, it's Princess's uh, podcast called Finding Our Way. And Mia Birdsong wrote a book about how we show up and showing up in community. And they were talking about how when you like ask for help you give someone that opportunity to do something for you and that is so like energizing that is so like that feels so good right and so um I think that's part of it like when we have people come through when we have like I think even in pandemic we're still we our porch still sees a lot of action <laughs> like people are dropping stuff off we're offering free stuff like there's a lot of people in the community who are like, oh, I ha- I'm moving and I have all this free stuff. Who wants it? Um, or like Albert's always making bread and he like he always makes two loaves at a time because he's like, I'm always giving one away. Right. And so there's always people picking up stuff, dropping stuff off. So like I think it is that like has to be that flow of like, what can you offer? What can you um, give? um and what do you need what help can you ask for which is very vulnerable i understand why that's hard i'm like going through a season where that's hard for me right now but like um that's that's what fuels all this stuff and that's what you know that's what drives art and collaboration in art too
0: it, it's weird it's kind of like what i'm hearing is also that it, it takes a certain amount of momentum to have these structures in place Mm. Cause I feel like after I visited a few years ago, I, I felt like, oh, I, I wanna do this. I wanna mm. have house shows. I wanna mm. I wanna have a welcoming space for artists to come and be creative. But I think one one of my problems is that I have too much clutter in my house. How do you can attest to that?
1: <laughs> it's not just clutter. <laughs> I can attest to that too. <laughs>
0: Uh, Two, I I don't think I I know enough of my neighbors and or maybe it's something about my lifestyle, right? Uh, My creative community, we create in a co-working space. We don't really create it out of each other's houses. And, you know, like the creative life there, it's separate then from our kind of like personal lived lives. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm yeah and we're also in texas that's maybe that's part of it everything is like spaced out everything is a sprawl everybody has their own i have my own apartment it's great i can't (laughs) i can't imagine like inviting somebody here and then having them stay for weeks
2: yeah i mean i think it's just that's like mount Kaz is one model but like yeah there's richness in the fact that y'all are collaborating and you get you have shared space outside of your homes right
1: I am more curious about like everybody living together though where there are like a communal share spaces Mm -hmm. for eating for art and other things
2: yeah we are working right now on um we're sort of planning scheming dreaming like housing co-ops in town and sort of the the you know and like beyond what people think about in terms of like maybe like college co-ops or like Um, the commune I think those are the two models (laughs) readily in people's heads but like in the idea that like yeah we all have these needs that even like even if you have your own living space you still want to be able to like have shared space and connect to people yeah like you don't have like so you don't have to work as hard to like drive across town to get to the like place where you can share a meal right um and like what does it look like when you you know, we can like the same, maybe the same idea of like, there's many possibilities for like a single family house, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and there's many ways you can like, you could turn a fourplex into a shared living space. You could like
1: get a bigger space, Norman. <laughs>
2: you could buy like a, you could buy like a, a single family a house and you could buy a farm and build like another property on it. You could turn, you can buy an apartment building. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this. It's like, there's definitely the idea of like, okay, um, there is certain things that we set up the space intentionally to like be able to share it. And it is harder because we had that intention already from when we moved in. And it is harder to yeah. like, transform something that you've already really lived in and like sort of claimed as your own personal space into something more communal, um, without some kind of like, before and after transformation like (laughs) maybe you know like those videos um i mean but maybe that's what it would take right it would take sort of like some kind of some kind of um physical clearing and some kind of ritual or ceremonial like okay this is a different space now yeah and location matters too like i think we we're probably moving out of this Place this year and moving to a different location and you know pre-pandemic we were like oh are people gonna like drive out to do this and like now I'm like both more worried about that and less worried about that <laughs> like
0: <laughs> what do you mean more worried
2: like I think like we have gotten I think before it was like oh will people trek out another 20 minutes like outside of town to go to a, to go to this sort of quote unquote renegade art space. Like, will they go to an event that's that far? And now it's like, feels even harder because we've, we're so, our like our triangle of movement has like shrunken, <laughs> you know, um, between work. I think about the triangle. I don't know where I read this, but this idea that like where you work, where you live, and where you um, buy food or get food. <laughs> your grocery store is sort of like a triangle of like space um and it's like that has shrunk so much that people like you know the like going beyond that it takes more effort
1: i just pictured my triangle and i think (laughs) i think that's there's a lot in that that's correct
0: (laughs) i hope people will be hungry for that though i think we've been cooped up that we are going to be looking for experiences outside of the triangle
2: right yeah yeah for sure Yeah, it's interesting that some of the, like there's a really active noise experimental music scene in town, um, but it was so place-based, right? It was very much about in-person shows, um, shows at the coffee shop Inner Zone, which was near campus. Um, The organizers of that scene are just like, my experiences with them are mostly like, face-to-face in person like it's not through it's not mediated through social media it's not I don't like have I like their like I don't even know their email addresses you know like that kind of like I don't I only connect with them in space Um, and like I think similarly I worked at the library as a substitute uh, clerk and it's like that my relationship to that those people was also very place-based like I saw my coworkers when i went to the library i saw i knew those families when they came to the library i don't like i don't have any contact with them outside of that place and so like i think there are scenes like that which are in community spaces like that which are very um which i am i am excited to reconnect with because they haven't they, those things don't translate digitally And I think there's like a part of Mount Kaz, which is our community and our connections and our relationships, and a little bit of a Slack space that like did, like was able to continue throughout pandemic. But there's a part of Mount Kaz which is the grove and the like the space and the like meeting people here that you know wasn't able to. Um, So I'm really, and I think those spaces actually are probably the like the most. Like they are the most um, fertile, I don't know if that's the right word, like the most, um, the most potent for those community connections, for those, like that collaboration, that energy, um, that serendipity, that surprise, right? Like is those place, places, those places, like physical places that we had connection to. Um and I really hope people don't, like, I think that's the thing I'm like, I really want us to remember those places and really honor them and to really, like, put energy into them. Because, um, like, our, you know, our government and our our culture and our systems have, like, you know, they're so so set on getting, like, businesses back up and running, but they're not putting yeah. any, you know, they're not putting any energy or resources into, like, let's get the community spaces up, <laughs> you know, let's get the libraries Um, back to a place where they can be safe. Let's like support the artist venues, you know? So we have to do that.
1: It's kind of DIY right now for Mm -hmm. a lot of things.
0: So you were talking about like the serendipity uh, of those spaces. And I know I, in like the creative community of Lucky Chaos, Mm -hmm. I think one of our challenges is getting people into a space to create and and, and inform that serendipity i think we we kind of create on our own and we have this idea of like oh there's this project let's pull everybody into a space to work on that one project do you do you think there's different ways of gathering as a creative community that would like encourage more of the kind of randomness and surprises in the creative process
2: uh, that's a good question i like it too because like it's in y'all's name, right? Like lucky chaos, <laughs> like that chaos element. <laughs>
0: it's an aspiration.
2: Yeah, this is also like one of my favorite topics to talk about. So, <laughs> I'm trying oh to yeah, think about. Uh, we did do a dispatches from Mount Kaz about um, randomness, um, that featured our friend Danielle Baskin. Um, I think her work is a good. Um, yeah, if you want inspiration for how like to interject randomness and chaos into projects, um, look her up. Um, but yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind actually is about the stakes of things. So like one way to do it is to like to modulate the stakes, right? Like to have some things where you're taking things seriously and acting really pro about it and like coming in and and then also having times where it's just like completely no stakes <laughs> and just like we're gonna do this thing and it's gonna be you know and I think like we've done maybe an example is like we 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 did a micro variety show so we were like okay we need to fill you know half an hour 40 minutes and everyone gets like two minutes was it two or uh, like three minutes and so we invited a lot of people in, but it was because it's like, what do you want to do for three minutes? And three minutes is so small that it was like low enough stakes that people were like, sure, <laughs> I'll like do my uh, thesis presentation, but through a blender anyway. Um, and that was inspired by the neo-futurists and that sort of art form of like the, the theater sport of doing like, multiple like the process of and the practice of like creating work every week they try to do their their you know flagship show was um trying to do 30 plays in 60 minutes every single week and so it's sort of like you just have to produce yeah so that's one way Is like that microness you know lowers the stakes yeah is that is this sparking anything for you
0: (laughs) it is um yeah, I'm just thinking about my own challenges in uh, trying to create a space for this kind of random creativity and you know, like regular space for, you know, displaying the fruits of that creativity. Mm-hmm. I think I think we've tried to do that in in, in part with groundwork. I've tried to create kind of let's create like a like a performance art troupe in a way. Where we do meet up regularly and create together, I think the the challenge for me in, in those spaces is, I guess, one, it stopped because of the pandemic. You know, yeah. we can't be in the same room. <laughs> but I, I think all I think the challenge before that even was I don't have the process for it. Mm. You know, I I think I, I approach it like, hey, let's make a bunch of micro plays or skits or sketches for this deadline or this show. And maybe that was the wrong approach. Maybe there needs to be more of an openness to it.
2: Yeah, that makes me remember that I think one of the, I don't know, like the secret sauce things about me and Albert with Mount Kaz stuff is that, like I am and we are, we're always looking, we're always listening for the thing that the other person is excited about, right? So like we mentioned the vegan Cajun pop-up, right? So like we were talking to friends and that they're from Louisiana. A lot of people will share these things about themselves of like, oh, I've always wanted to do this or like, you know, in 10 years, you know, some at some point we'll like get a food cart and like open a, a restaurant. And they, they, you know, they're sort of saying it in this sort of dreamy, you know, way where it's not, it's like a future thing or just something they like to dream about. But me and Albert will like often <laughs> like sort of like lean forward and jump into it and be like, we can do that now. <laughs> what, do you want to do a pop-up? Like, and sometimes I get afraid about like, if we're a little too eager, <laughs> or a little too, like, <laughs> let's make that happen. But like, I think, I mean, that's where the energy and the surprise comes from. It's like, I think that we have, um, yeah, it's the, it's like that listening and 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 the and the like is it the confidence? I don't know. It's just the like the trust that like, yeah, we can pull off something. <laughs> like it's it's never gonna it's not the like exact thing you were dreaming, but like the core of it. We can do that now. Like we don't have to wait. We can just do that now, like in our houses, on the streets, like with what we have. You know, again that like DIY Zinster mentality and that like where else it comes from. I don't know. I think it like it's it's fed to us from different sources. But um
1: I guess my number one fear in doing something like that would be like the fear of it not being like the quality I wanted. Not that I'm looking for perfection, but it's it's the same type of fear.
2: Yeah, totally. That's our sec like maybe secret secret sauce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's that St. Zine mentality, right? Like I was thinking about um it's just like we can do it good enough right? Like, we have the skills to produce something. And actually, part of that, you know, and this is, I, like, I sort of, I feel like I've honed this over multiple years in the Bay Area (laughs) doing Mm -hmm. events, but, like, there's also this sort of, like, modulating your expectations. So, in the Bay Area, I remember being very deliberate about, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, try to host something, and, like, actually I'm gonna try to host something and even if the two friends that I'm hosting with it like even if they're the only ones that show up we're still gonna have a great time (laughs) right like that's actually why we I like part of the pop-up potluck idea was that like there were three of us and we rotated hosting but we like always knew that like at least two or three of us would show up and there were a couple there were a couple months where it was like just the two or three of us (laughs) it was like but that was still I still was able to have dinner with that friend right on that night and like yeah I was disappointed that I wasn't bigger but also like that was still fine so like actually I use that in my dating too where I was like okay I'm gonna propose dates that I'm gonna like enjoy this evening even if the person (laughs) even if we don't click (laughs) I'm gonna still like enjoy the show that I'm like proposing we watch right um, so like I don't know that's like part of it too is like what how do you do it so that like the people who you know make it like even if you know and I think that's a lot of why we do a lot of these like variety show type things too where it's like okay if we have six people who are like part of making the thing happen and they all invite one or two people that fills the living room like it's a full house (laughs) right like so um it doesn't have to be big to feel like nourishing or like fulfilling um actually there's probably many many like I feel like there were many secrets that I just listed but (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think yeah perfectionism is hard but like we that's how we that's those are the ways I dance around it
0: yeah, I wonder if you also have to kind of develop uh, an instinct for, to prevent like scope creep. That's like a yeah tech project management term, but I feel like <laughs> in in my creative projects, I like I work with people, and even in the middle of it, right? We can start with like this small um, ambition to create something, but even in the middle of it, mm. they, they we end up in this space where where we end up like trying to create something that's probably beyond our means or like higher expectation, like we were saying. Like, for example, I'm I'm, like working with this creative group and, you know, we want to create content digitally in the pandemic, but we're we're, like writing the script and it ends up being this script about, it ends up being like a, like a full-blown, filmed <laughs> like traditional comedy sketch right. which one is pretty like it's pretty hard to do in a pandemic um, and two like none of us in this group have much experience doing like filmed like sketches and things like that yeah so that was my tangent do you feel like you, you have developed a <laughs> skill for like keeping expectations and scope in in check
2: that's such a it's such an interesting like that example It like captures so much of what tends to happen i think and i think those like i think that those dreams are important right like those aspirations are important that quality level is important i think there is maybe like a pause after that to be like okay what can we do um Mm -hmm. there's this artist you workbook i associate it with andrew simonette but i think he has other people working on it too but like it's about how to plan a life as an artist, but they're one of the things. One of their advices is to dream bigger, but make the steps to get there smaller. So you actually have to break it down, <laughs> and and I think that's the when you get to that stage where it's like, okay, here's our biggest dream, but like, okay, what's the next step to get there? Then you have to start to to be like, yeah, what can we do? And I think the you know I think the, the two things that really anchor me is sort of like I always. I think there is a constant orientation for me um, on like the process and the verbs more than the like final thing. Right. So it's like, what am I excited to explore about? Like, so if we are going to do this like film thing, what is the like the thing that I'm like excited to like up my game about (laughs) for this next project? Right. Like what's the thing I want, like excited to collaborate on. And so like, really focusing on that and that verb means that like whatever you make you'll you'll be like you know it's 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 not secondary but it's like it's not the it's like a bonus (laughs) what comes out the other end yeah and then I keep referring to zines and I'm like, maybe everyone should just like make zines. (laughs) But like, I think it's like. (laughs) I'm tempted. Yeah, you should. (laughs) I should have another zine workshop. I'll invite all of you.
1: Ooh, yes, please.
2: Yeah. Maybe I'll redo. Maybe I will. I will redo my, uh, I did a zine workshop at the library recently where I was talking about the zine as like a noun, but also like as a verb and an adjective and like all these things. But like what I miss about zine fest, what I love about zine fest is that you have a deadline. (laughs) and like throw it together and you share it with people and people understand if it's a little janky but you got it out and I think the the that version I'm gonna stop myself before I go into all the (laughs) there's like you know there's a whole slew of advice about like avoiding perfectionism
1: or fearing every little thing that could go wrong or
2: yeah well, I mean, I'll just, I think like Linda Barry has like really good advice on all of this, but also like there's that, there's that, um, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's pretty standard uh, story, but have y'all heard it where like there's a ceramics uh, class and half the class is told to spend, they like make one pot, make the beautiful, perfect pot by the end of like um the class and then the other half of the class is told like make a hundred (laughs) pots doesn't matter like what quality they are but your like goal is to make a hundred of them and like the you know invariably the the class who the part the people who are like okay I just gotta like make a bunch of pots like over time you learn how to make a better pot (laughs)
1: yeah
2: um versus like let me like very slowly like inch my way towards like fixing this one pot, like tortured. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: kind of like the Malcolm Gladwell, do your ten thousand hours.
2: Exactly, yeah.
1: Or just do it, like the Nike slogan. Yeah, <laughs> Nike slogan. Yeah.
0: I think there's something to zines, though, specifically, and zines in like micro plays about mm-hmm. those mediums yeah. that is so messy and low expectation that really serves this style of creation.
2: Yeah. It really teaches you, like, I think it's like, that's, that's why I'm calling it a secret sauce because it's like, I don't like, it teaches you how to like do it. What, and then each person sort of has their own way of figuring it out. But like it's practice. And I think that practice leads to something different.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, well, we don't want to confuse like the practice. Cause you could easily like practice making something perfect you know for 10,000 hours right, right, right. You can, no you can i have mean like one project for yeah, 10,000 hours yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think it's I think the, it's, the it's... practice of of shipping right the practice mm-hmm. of of like finishing the zine to be able to hand out a zine fest. the practice of like putting that microplate on stage every week right so it's the practice in like finishing and real i think and it's really powerful i think because like most of the time when you get there and you share it and it's not perfect, but it's still you still get the high of like, oh, I did it, <laughs> and someone likes it, and they don't care <laughs> that it's crooked, you know.
0: Speaking of zines, um, do you do you have it like you make zines and you make web comics, but you've also printed your web comics as zines? Mm-hmm. Do you have like a specific delimiter for those two mediums?
2: No, actually, I you know I went I walked into. I think I started off making comics and um, I like, I saw that a sort of like someone I was following was going to be at SF Zinefest the first year I moved there. And so I like popped into the show to like try to find them and say hi and buy their books. But I like walked in and walked or looked around and I was like, Oh, this is cool. I can do this. <laughs> like at that point I had been making these little short, web comics and i was like oh these could easily be zines so then i was like oh i'm going to come back next year but i'm not going to table alone i'm going to ask two of my friends if they want to share a table (laughs) and so we did that the next year and then after that i was like oh i could table alone i could fill a table with my stuff um so it was sort of a step process um my only delineation and uh is that i'm really interested in form in my work and like form reinforcing the content and that interplay and like um so i have made some web comics i think on beauty is the the one that's the most of this where it's like you you can only read it online because it's built for web there are some like aspects of it um that take advantage of how you're reading it online and like subverting that or like extending that and I think the flip side of that is that I that I'd have made a couple of zines and I call them like impossible books because like they're about the physicality of how you interact with the book itself um, to tell the story. And so like there's I won't say there's, there's no way to replicate that online, but it's like a different experience to replicate that online. So I think that's sort of. Yeah, there's just they are different forms and you can do different things with those storytelling mediums. And you know it's savvy to be able to make something that can port across multiple mediums. Um, and sometimes I'm savvy, and sometimes I just like to do dumb things <laughs> because I think it's fun. <laughs> um, maybe that's part of that. You know, that earlier question about serendipity. Is fun. Like sometimes you just got to do the really dumb thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, so this is where me being your brother uh, comes into play. Because I'm reminded of reading your copy of Scott McCloud's Understanding Web Comics or Mm -hmm. Understanding Comics um, at your place. And that's one of his big philosophies is, like, you have to take advantage of the medium that you're using. Yeah. Like his idea of the infinite. um...
2: Canvas. Yeah, that probably, like, infiltrated my brain a little bit early on. Yeah, I was playing with stuff in, you know, in art school, <laughs> where I had made some maps and things. But yeah, I think that's something I've been I'm, I've am i always been really interested in as an artist on like the craft side of things that I don't know if that like, no, that's just a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> I'm interested in on it as an artist on the craft side of things. Like that's just something that really like geeks me out about, about making art is being able to to play with those bounds.
1: What I'm surprised by through your work with the comics and the scenes is how personal it can get and also how insightful. Um how do you approach the writing?
2: Mm.
1: I mean it's in conjunction with graphics. So Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: guess the whole entire thing where where it's kind of like you're exposing yourself almost, but you're also introspective enough to I guess dissect your emotions and your experiences.
2: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that is such um, That is like what I'm grappling with right now. <laughs> um, I think early on, it was sort of like an intuitive way of being in writing where it's like connecting the really personal story and trying to understand that at a systemic level and sort of bridge the two. And so like it felt really natural to, like, want to share these stories or just, like, you know, like, talk about the world through my experience, right? Like, that's what I have. So, it's, like, my material I can use. Um, And it was easier, you know, it was easier or not easier. I don't know. It was, I felt different. I'm, like, at this point now where it's, like, and especially, like, this year, (laughs) I feel like um, it feels, Harder or challenging, or like in different ways, to be vulnerable on the internet or like be vulnerable with our writing or with our stories, right? And I can see that happening in not just my artwork, but in my relationships, my friendships, right? Like, I'm like sharing less of myself, I'm like holding back a little bit, or like feeling like, oh, people won't understand anyway, so I'm just gonna like not even try and i think that's definitely like you know the i it's like the consequences of having of you know having survived this past administration and um you know doing what we can to survive the pandemic the like the like sort of like opening up of the racist you know wounds oh um that you know they're, they're always there and different people have you know talked about it in different ways but like I feel like a, a lot is at the surface right now and so it's like very natural to like want to be more protective um and put up those walls and put up those defense mechanisms and
0: what is at the surface specifically like what do you what do you mean is at the surface at-
2: well at the surf I think like we're talking about white supremacy culture and racism and how those things are like embedded, not only like internalized in us and how we react with each other, but also like built into the systems that we operate in. They're built into the like, the like structures of our, you know, workplaces they are built yeah. into like, they're just like, it's everywhere. It's like the matrix, right? I still have, like that movie. Is such a good metaphor like it gave us such good metaphor right like it's like it's all there if you can see it and then when you see it you can't stop seeing it and then you're just like do I go back in or not <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't have a choice they're killing us <laughs>
2: yeah exactly oh. and it's just like and so like so and when you see that so like all the walls are up people like and people like that makes sense to me that every like my own walls are like really up <laughs> And so it's hard. It's, like, so funny to, like, come back to, like, a writing practice or an art practice and be, like, oh, right, like, that's, like, core in my bio. Like, why people connect to my comics is because they're intimate, because I am vulnerable, because I'm sharing. And right now, it's really hard to share. Um, so I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm, I'm finding that again, and I think it's a good, you know, like, I believe in vulnerability as strength, I believe in, like, that as, like, that's the only way you can build community, that's the only way you can connect with someone, is if you, like, are able to show, like, show up as yourself, and be a little vulnerable, and, like, have that dance, and it's harder right now, and so, but it's, it's interesting, it's, like, I was just writing this morning, and I was, like, I, I'm i finding it again, and I'm, like, right, this is, I'm, I'm gonna, this is like helping me show the way for myself to how to do this in my real life is how to do it in my writing.
0: I was reading uh, Closets yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of your web comics. And you can find it on com slash comics. One of the things that really impressed me and it impresses it impressed me about all of your comics is is the way it just like, you 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 dive into the super personal but then you you come up for air in mm-hmm. the kind of universal experience mm-hmm. and then you and before you dive back in it's kind of like riding this wave um of personal and universal mm-hmm. is is there like a specific way you 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 write for that or like do you do you feel like you you and and throughout all of that, you're weaving in these kind of metaphors for the personal experience that relates it to the universal. Is there a way that you are in your writing process that you were coming up with those things? It feels like it also has to do a lot of, you have to do a lot of research for that too.
2: I'm, I'm digesting. I really love the, the image of diving in and out. And I'm just like sort of sitting with that because it's, um, a thing that I can be proud of (laughs) and so something I can aspire to in my future work um and also I'm reading um Alexis Pauline Gum's book Undrowned which is about like learning from marine mammals and apprenticing to like what they can teach us and I think there's something about that diving image of like coming up for air which is very apt right like I think part of it and you know like how much of it is craft and how much of it is like intuition is sort of like is whatever, but like I think part of it is that that weaving is really necessary to carry a person through a story, or even to carry me through like the writing of it. Right, like if I just stay in the really vulnerable, tender, <laughs> personal, like it, it can be too much sometimes, and you do have to come up for air or step back and be like, right, this is not all on me. <laughs> this is also systemic, right, or something, or there's a metaphor here that I can grasp onto. So, and actually, I think you know, I think what informs how I do that is like I trained as a designer and a design thinker and a design researcher, and that is a process where you take in a lot of input and you take in a lot of stories and you take in a lot of data and you put it all up on a wall, on like a physical wall, <laughs> like, and like each each thing is like a separate post it or a separate note and you like literally move things around to make connections and synthesize it. And so I think that synthesis process is like one of my favorite things (laughs) to do. And I think my writing and my comics are, I always think about the process of them as me trying to figure something out. And like, I'm like walking towards something or like um, trying to synthesize something, right? Like I don't really Sometimes I know where a story is going, but like the writing process itself is sort of just putting those pieces together and trying, and like they show me where the next stuff is. Um, and it's very nonlinear. I was writing to it this morning and the pieces come in in different ways. And so it's like a nonlinear process. Yeah. So I think the design process is what informs a lot of that. And then I think the other thing that I've been learning more. In more recent years, like those images too of the dancing in and out and weaving in and out is like, I think I've been learning maybe not on like a conscious level, like not on a like explicit level, but like I have been exploring dance and movement and somatics. And um, there's a lot you can learn. There's a lot you can learn about rhythm and about moving between states there's a, uh, I did some workshops with para theater and someone in town introduced us to that concept. And they do a lot with um, the subconscious, but they do a lot with like, with moving between a supposed binary, right? So like you might divide, <laughs> okay, here's the, imag- imagine this. So you like divide of an empty room in in half and like one half of the room is like, you like give it a thing. So you like say this half of the room is connection and then this other half is isolation. And so like when you're in each side, you can move back and forth between them. But when you're on each side, you really like give yourself to that word. You like your body can move and be connection. Your body can move and experience isolation, right? And so, and then there's this like middle neutral ground. And I think there's something interesting about moving back and forth between those things with your body in a way to understand what it is to surrender to both and also to bridge both or what it takes to you know transition from one to the other and and yeah and that kind of stuff this is it, like it's just it's coming into my head and i hadn't really connected it but i think that's like part of what's informed some of the weaving um, even if i haven't you know if i wouldn't think to to put that in a credit section or something <laughs> something my body has been learning like i'm very abstract i see your faces <laughs>
1: no
0: i'm processing it I, I think that's a lot of what's been missing from my creative process lately is this synthesis
1: mm.
0: that's 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 the stuff that i really love in in that there's something that i want to express but I don't know how I'm going to be. So I need to go through this process, this journey to discover what it is and and how to do it. I think it's it's so easy for people who are doing creative things to and this is not a, a dig on on that process, but it is a different process in that we're trying to fit what we're doing into these set mediums. You know, like I want to say something about, you know, anti agent racism. So I'm going to write a comedy sketch about it. So then it becomes about, like, how do I fit pieces into this set framework mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. doing that synthesis process where it's, like, I'm really going to dig into my own emotions. I'm going to research the history about this thing and, you know, like, really look at what that means in front of me. You know, like, put it on this kind of, like, board and, and distill that information and those emotions down to something. And I guess in my opinion, that's where the art that I really admire comes from. But
2: yeah, that goes, I mean, that goes back to the idea of like the process and the verb, right? Like the art you're making, if you're like really grappling with something or like using it as a process to like figure something out, like you go into it where you're like something feels, there's something here that I want to understand better. And I'm going to use my art process, my creative process to help me like to like, help me move that through me that also is in the artist you workbook actually you can i'll give you a link for the show notes um i wrote this essay called get back in the river and it quotes from the artist you workbook but like there's a line in there where they say that artists are researchers of the human condition or something like that right and it's like the same way scientists will put a hypothesis out there and test it and like theorize about it or like you know try to figure out something artists are doing the same thing with these like these questions of culture and these questions of like who we are and the questions of like why we're here right so yeah to me that makes sense of like that process of like there's something here that's bothering me I don't know if it's bothering or like bothering in the sense of like there's something that there's a question here or there's something that I'm like that won't let me go and like yeah the creative process is the one way to do it. Have you experienced? I'm gonna turn it. I'm to, um, But have y'all experienced that in your work before, where it has been more of that process of questioning and exploration in your work, like leading to something different?
1: That's a good question. Rarely. Mm. So usually, in say a corporate setting mm. at my job, there's not a lot of that.
2: Or where do you go when you do have that? Like, what processes do you...
1: Research, sketching, Googling every single thing, (laughs) taking notes. Yeah. Yeah, ideally, there's, like, testing involved. If I'm printing something, I can try different printers, different formats, different colors. Yeah, there's time, ideally. Mm, Not just space and whatever equipment. Hopefully, there's, like, at least a budget in mind that I can wrap my brain around what can be done Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i think the time the time piece is really key you know stuff takes time (laughs) no i think what happened is we just like the ideas on this hour was just so mind-blowing it blew
1: It is. (laughs) Well, it is for me because I never get like a chance to stop and think. Now that you mention it, no, I don't. (laughs) It's more like go 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 go. Heart attack. Weekend is here.
2: Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. That's what the graphic novella I'm like wrapping up is about. It's about when I took a sabbatical to grieve and just that, like how how much our culture is like go go go, and like how if. Like that's a, it's a good survival mechanism, (laughs) you know, like it'll help you get through something, but like, um, it's also like our culture rewards it so much, it gets really self-destructive. And so like, what does it actually take to stop? What does it actually take to slow down?
1: And that's how you decided to change your life.
2: Yeah. a, A few times, but, and it's like, it's such a weird, it's also like, I was like, oh, pandemic will help actually we might slow down
1: it helped me but yeah
2: i think it has and it hasn't like it's definitely like our corporate machines are very resilient
1: <laughs> yeah for e-commerce it's uh it's very very resilient i don't think it's gonna slow it's just gonna explode through the roof until the planet burns down
2: yes it's true
1: <laughs> um, not that i was trying to go there but
0: Thanks for joining us again on this episode, Christina. That was a really insightful conversation. Can you remind us where we can find your work?
2: Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, You can find my work at sodelightful.com. Follow my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash sodelightful for updates.
0: Thanks for listening to Lewd Asian Artists, a Lucky Chaos production. This project is supported in part by the Cultural Arts Division of the City of Austin Economic Development Department.
2: Yeah, I think Thanks we again. should. We should. Oh wait, I, don't, I can't even do it. I think we should speak Chinese for part of it. Hiya, Norman. 应该讲广东话。Heidi, <laughs> 我 I thought you were telling Heidi.
0: <laughs> ho. <laughs>
1: Gong uh. okay. This is
2: practice. 我哟, you have to try.
1: Yeah. 100 pots, 100 Chinese pots. Hor-, okay.
0: But we like got audience, we we uh, judge me.
2: No one no one cares.
1: <laughs> Just us. <laughs> Our unique listeners are now at like I didn't even check.
0: There's like five on the Irwin oh. episode.
1: Woo!
0: Yes. <laughs> Maybe we can get making a Corvallis contingent of listeners. Yeah. I, uh, I,
2: I hope yeah. so. Konghei, Konghei. okay thanks for humoring me (laughs) this is how you this is step one in breaking down institutional racism
1: (laughs) bilingualism on the air (laughs) against your will
0: (laughs) I might actually cut that part and just like put it at the beginning or the middle or something
1: yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> it's like Pensler. Are we listening to Pensler Cantonese?